Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Look out. Is only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a worry journal, and I love films. As Nicholas Sparks once said, love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You know, like the thing that's killing everything in the Mark Wahlberg film, The Happening. That's interesting, Nicholas. I thought that was the plants that were taking revenge on us. Either way, it's a great shout. I haven't thought about that film in years. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, Jamila Jamil, Raisin Connery, and your favourite, Preddy Prambles. But this week is part two of the Better Late Than Never Extra Special Edition Films of the Year with Mr. Nish Kumar. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get videos, you get extra questions, you get secrets, you get all sorts. You can find all of that and more, old episodes, everything you want. It's all over there at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So the big news this week is Soulmates, the show that Will Bridges and I co-created, is going to be available to watch on Amazon Prime from Monday, February the 8th. You can watch it all there. The first episode stars the incredible Sarah Snook from Succession and the amazing Kingsley Benadire from One Night in Miami. You've basically got, I mean, those two are magnificent and they're not the only people in the cast that are magnificent. God, it's a good fucking cast. Pardon my French. Have a look. Soulmates on Amazon Prime. So this is part two of the Films of the Year special. We pick up exactly where we left off, and now we get into the real nitty-gritty, the proper best-of-the-year stuff. Now, I think there's some spoilers in here, so tread carefully. If I name a film that's good, and any film I'm talking about is good here, stop the podcast, watch the film, then come back for the discussion about it. I got a message this week from Ed Gamble. I don't know if you know who that is. He was absolutely furious that I had said some spoilers about St. Maud. I didn't even know we'd done that. That's terrible. We did that in part one. I'm really sorry to Ed Gamble. Poor Ed Gamble. I hope he's okay. I really must get him on the show one day. As for the films, the upside of having another week is I can mention three films I forgot to mention in the chat that you're about to listen to. King of Staten Island, which I didn't mention in the podcast. That was a great film. It's very moving. It's very funny. It's really good. I very much recommend it. I also recommend Possessor, which was a very, very nasty, dark, 
clever sci-fi horror thriller from uh, David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. He's a, he's, a, he's a director in his own right. He doesn't have to be named with his dad. I'm sure he, he probably doesn't like that. It's really a great film, very interesting. And uh, third film I don't think that we mentioned is La Llorona, which uh, is a political Guatemalan horror film. Very interesting. You should have a look at that. Anyway, those are just three films that I regret not talking about in detail in this conversation that you're about to listen to. I hope that covers it. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely time. Here we go. That is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy part two of the Better Late Than Never extra special end of year episode of Films To Be Buried With. The film that means the most to me is sort of similar is uh, On the Rocks. On the Rocks, because A, I love Sofia Coppola. I'm always excited when she's got a new film out, and I really loved On the Rocks. But I went to see it at the cinema, and it was in that brief. Do you remember when there was like a week where there wasn't a lockdown? Cinemas opened and they closed. In that week, I went in the daytime to see On the Rocks, and the cinema was empty, and it was fucking glorious we were back in our safe place in an empty cinema it's back in your in an empty cinema i mean i i was in the imax and there were there was a socially distanced number of people there Mm. but it was you didn't you feel relief it was so i was so happy when the lights went down didn't you just feel like a part of your body like a a fist that you'd balled up at the bottom of your stomach just unclenched for a moment also on the rocks what lovely movie lovely movie what's a lovely what like what a Quite low stakes. Yeah. It's just a lovely what a, time. But just like, just pleasurable. Bill Murray, mm-hmm. just charming. Rashida Jones, just charming. Also, I absolutely love the fact that Jenny Slate is in that movie for no reason other than just to be hilarious. Just a couple of scenes. Yeah, definitely filmed all in one day. Filmed four yeah, bits. she knocked it out in an afternoon. Yeah. Really funny. She's just doing what Jenny Slate does, yeah. kind of. And she's fucking hilarious. And you're like, I don't know why... People don't do that more often. Like it definitely mm. watching Green and On the Rocks. It definitely reminded me of like this. Sometimes just value in having a funny person just pop up and do something funny for a bit. Yeah, uh, in a comedy movie. But yeah, I, I can imagine because even watching On the Rocks at home felt like such a holiday from reality. And also, you know, New York oh, yeah, was, it was great. New York people were in it. Here, yeah. The I, I I mean, we probably have to address the the serious issue of you know look. So One of the Rocks is an Apple film, so it's going to be on Apple. I don't want, I want yeah. to see it at the cinema. I want to see all these things. And now all cinema is being sold to, it's all going to be on telly. How do you feel about that, Brett? I'm profoundly should, depressed probably about probably the it. biggest question, isn't it? It's profoundly depressing. I, it is very, the idea that we wouldn't go back to the cinema is very, is making me feel very And sad. also it doesn't, it's, it, like I just saw a trailer before we recorded this for uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which you know is my two computer games fighting each other, is not is not my cup <laughs> of tea. But I also look at that and go, if I am going to watch two computer games fight each other, yeah, you've got to see that at the IMAX. You're not, no one's going. Yeah. Oh, I'll watch Kong versus Godzilla on my phone. I tell you where I want to see Kong. I want to go with my friend Dan, like I did with Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. I want to go with my friend Dan, and I want to go at midnight or 11 p.m. Yes. in the IMAX or the Shepherd's Bush View, yeah. which has a massive yeah. like off-brand tesco's own brand imax in it it's it, but 
I, I, that's why I wanted. That's how I want to see that movie. Yeah. But I also want to see. I would have loved. I would like to see on the rocks in the, in the cinema. Exactly. On everything is everything is better at the cinema. There's no film where you go. Oh, I'm glad I saw that on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Saint Maud. Okay. Uh, my apologies. That's the one. The one thing was Saint Maud because I think I think if I'd seen Saint Maud in the cinema, I'd have had a heart attack. I think. Right. I think that would have been my why I died on Brett's podcast. Maybe next time. Maybe ne- if you come back again, and who knows? <laughs> Maybe you'll die from a heart attack watching Saint Maud at, at the cinema. But the idea that cinemas would not survive—I mean, there's so much. I mean, we 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 work in live comedy. There's so much of the arts that seems mm. very precarious. And if I may, you may get a little boy state here. It is incumbent on the government to see the value in the arts and to intervene where possible they're not going to be able to save everything but it would be nice to feel like the government recognized the enormous economic contribution made by the arts in this country i mean beyond that it's a shame that we have to talk about things in those terms mm. but it seems like that's the only way that we're going to get through to fucking i've got uh, I'm, I'm, i've been um, i'm tweeting marcus rashford game sort it out yeah uh, <laughs> Rashford. Marcus, if you could take some time off from uh, feeding underprivileged children to a bigger cause. Me and Brett. Sorry, need to go mate. To the could you sort out the cinemas next? <laughs> uh, Marcus, oi, well played today. Before uh, you pop, pop your head down, well done on the kids and everything. Can you get the old cine worlds back up and running? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is. I, I hope that it doesn't fall by the wayside. And w- when they come back, I do hope that people, and when we all feel safe to go, because it's also yeah. another thing to be like, as, as we've already found, the government's policy of eat out to help out, risk your life, have a katsu curry to save Wagamamas, yeah. turned out to not be uh, good for not kill, killing people. <laughs> you know, it turned out that that wasn't a good, it turned out that katsu curry does not have the fucking cure to coronavirus. Yeah. It? So obviously when people feel safe to, to go back to the cinema again, but it, the idea of, us not being able to go to the movies is that is intolerable it really is and i i don't i don't like i don't like it and uh, yeah it's no i mean it's unacceptable well it'll be all right i hope and if it isn't i mean this james bond movie better be fucking good that's all yeah. i'm saying but i don't want to watch james bond on telly no i, I barely want to watch james yeah. bond in the cinema <laughs> exactly and also <laughs> films it, like the at the other end of the scale Films like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is slow and artful and takes its time and, you know, which is sort of the other end of that scale. I want to be like in a cinema so I can get lost in it. It's very hard to watch. I think arty slow films are harder to watch at home because you've got fucking, there's there's stuff happening. There's always (laughs) fucking stuff happening in your house, isn't there? And there's doorbells ringing and it's easy to distract yourself from something that probably takes half an hour to get into a film like that also that particular film is shot in a way that makes every frame look like a painting Mm. and seeing something like that on the big screen i imagine would have been quite breathtaking yeah but also you know watching comedies it comedies are always going to be more fun with an audience um And and the experience of watching like seeing Parasite has definitely made me less of a grouch about crowds at the cinema because it definitely made me think that that, this really elevated my experience of watching this, you know, and I've already seen it before, so I'm fine with it, but it definitely 
it, it definitely wouldn't have been the same if we'd ended up sat in our living rooms watching mm. it. We've, we've made people wait long enough. What's the sexiest film of 2020? Well, here's the thing, Brett. I regret what I'm about to say. My sexiest film is also my most troubling bonerist film. Oh, great. It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay? Yeah. Listen. Go on. I am sorry <laughs> to everyone because that whole movie is about the female gaze yeah. and how women are seen in art and how women have the right to be seen by other women. And I male-gazed all over it. <laughs> but I am a man of... Listen, Brett, if you have a naked lady smoking a pipe, mm-hmm. drying out two canvases, am I not a man of flesh and blood, Brett? You were very specifically told not to use the male gaze, and you... you... <laughs> yeah, that's why it's my most troubling by Listen... And give me an angry French artist with hairy armpits and then another equally angry, hairy armpit French lady. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm a goner. They, I mean, also, I, I thought that film was incredible. Yeah. And I love the fact that because her other movies, like Girl, Girlhood's a great movie, but lots of her other films are more, much more naturalistic. And obviously she's, you know, take a look at the subject matter and gone. Well, if you're going to make a film about great art, it has to look like every shot of that film could be hung in a gallery. Like it's one of the most spectacularly, breathtakingly beautiful films I've ever seen. And also what I really loved about it was that it kind of rescued high art from being talked about in a way that makes it feel boring and shit. I'm not an anti-intellectual. And so I definitely appreciate the contribution that's made when people write very high-minded articles about classical music and the visual arts particularly, because there's that thing where she's playing the piece, uh, the Vivaldi piece that then plays at the end, where you're like, it occurred to me when I was watching that, it's like one of the first times you're like in a movie where someone's like, no, classical music isn't like, isn't boring. It's fucking good and exciting. And like the sort of coming storm that she describes in that music is really Mm. visceral and thrilling. And then at the end, when they're watching it, when she sees her across the room, it's so emotional and so powerful and exciting and energised. And it that whole movie, obviously there's a huge other chunk of the movie which is about women in art and it's so brilliant and so exciting and interesting. But there's a whole other bit of this movie that is saving visual art and classical music from being talked about in a way that makes them seem boring and shit. And I loved it for that. But also, those ladies were hot. I'm ashamed of myself. I want everyone to know that I'm embarrassed by this okay this, i don't feel good about it you are consistently full respect to you one of the greatest answerers of the troubling boner question <laughs> most people don't do it properly and you always fully commit and i respect that's because and i cannot stress this enough i'm troubled by most of my bonus okay <laughs> i have very few guilt-free bonus that's interesting that's very interesting. i did i don't feel good about it there's that great scene. There's so many good scenes in it, but that thing where they talk about, um, you know, women don't get to paint the subjects of great art, yeah. so they don't get considered to be great artists. And that whole thing, which, again, on paper, that the uh, uh, sort of the abortion sequence mm. sounds really, like, cloying, but it's actually the way that it's executed, really amazing. And the idea that women have had these kind of incredible interior lives that have just never really been documented because it was just men... painting pictures of other men on fucking horses and that was just all art for ages 
And there was like a real like punky, anti-establishment, energised, rebellious spirit at the core. But also those ladies were hot. They were mean. Adele Hanel's face is just kind of screwed up. It's like sort of permanent. It's like one of the great movie faces because it's just in this kind of half snarl the whole time. So when she smiles, it's a real, it's just an absolute fireworks display because she's always like this coiled spring of fury for most of the film. And also like you don't really see her face for a lot of the beginning. It's kind of like they're really building up to her face. You know, it's like it's like the shark in Jaws. So when it appears, it's got to be amazing. And it is amazing. They were hot and they but were it, mean. That is entirely yeah. the opposite of what we wanted you to think <laughs> watching this film. <laughs> Fucking hell, they was well hot and mean. <laughs> um, I just, I also yeah. don't think there's been as much. I've not rooted for two characters to bang in a movie this much before. Not since Moonlight. Not since the last third of Moonlight. Exactly. You're just like, please, because you're thinking about it and you're like, also the mum is the lady from Hot Shots, which is a fun added extra for people our age. No, she is. The, yeah, the mum is the, is the lady from Hot Shots. No. That is like a fun detail that's in, in there. Mm. But the whole time you're thinking, she's back in six days. Mm. You need to, and I am enjoying this fun card game that the three women are playing. And I would quite like to watch a sitcom that's just set in an abandoned house with those three women you know having abortions and playing card games because there's lots of like fun stuff in there but there's part of you that's like get come on there's a real ticking clock situation here um (laughs) and the ending is the the sort of ending of the story is heartbreaking then obviously there's the time jump and the sort of coda at the Mm. end which is it is is a sort of moment of pure transcendent beauty all of which makes it completely unacceptable that i've answered it to this question brett and i feel terribly ashamed how do you it goes in my set, set pieces. One of my favourite scenes is is when she, the person being painted, says, "Yeah, you're looking." She says, "You don't know what the sorry." The painter says, "Like you don't know what it's like. I'm just looking. I'm looking at you, and you don't know what that's like." And she says, "The fuck are you talking about? I'm looking at you the whole time." Yeah, and those are the exact words. <laughs> There's in that same exchange. She says, "I didn't know you're an art critic," and she goes, "I didn't know you're a painter." Yeah. Bang, pow, pow, hot and mean. <laughs> It's like, it's great. And it's just, and the, the, and it also, it's like an album because it has a title track and the sort of title track of the movie when she actually, when her dress is on fire, it's like, that's one of the most arresting images. Mm. And I love the fact that at the, at the beginning, you introduce the painting and she, she realizes that she can't capture the complexity of her yeah. feelings for this woman. So she doesn't paint the face. She paints just behind it. And you're like, fuck me, this is good stuff. It's good stuff. This is a good film. Anyway, I hate myself, but Portrait of a Lady on Fire, great movie. Excellent. And um, what was your sexiest film? My sexiest film was Queen and Slim, which I loved. I loved that film a lot. And it also... They're extremely sexy people. ...was not the film that I was expecting it to be. And it was yeah. a bit like, weirdly, I'd compare it to the Peanut Butter, peanut butter, <laughs> peanut butter Falcon. You see that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Peanut Butter Falcon. I really like that, that They yeah. both had a sort of, I don't know what the word is, kind of romantic sort of fable quality like almost like uh yeah like i thought queen and slim because i knew the the premise of queen and slim is a first date a couple go on a first date and they're pulled over by a cop and they end up shooting the cop because he's he's abusing them and i thought this is going to be a very gritty dark film yeah yeah but it actually isn't it sort of is i mean it's half that but it's half yeah it's incredibly sexy and sort of sensual film and there's a, it, it's a, a kind of road movie and there's a 
almost not quite but almost fairy tale element to it the way they meet people the way people help them and the places they go and the whole yeah. time there's this burgeoning love story between them and Jodie Turner Smith is fucking fit as fuck <laughs> and Daniel Kaluuya is fit as fuck like they are a sexy couple yeah they're very good looking it's definitely the poster image of 2020 yeah it's and a the, very very striking poster I image. love that that scene one of my favorite scenes of the year where they take the picture which is the poster and what I think yeah. makes that film kind of profound and more than the sum of its parts or whatever is that he knows what their legacy is and he, and it's very that poster is really really cool the picture that they take of themselves is really cool but it's also very deliberate it's not an accident he asks take our picture and he yeah. poses and they pose for it very self-consciously yeah. they pose in a way that looks cool and will make them legends and yeah it's all about presentation and narrative and representation all that stuff and it's all in this what we will mean for people they know that their journey probably isn't yeah. going to end well and so the the legend must be cool and it is yeah sure i thought that was really interesting i really like that film and it's so well directed and fuck it's a real sexy one that one but my troubling my troubling bone because i was like is this bad because i watched i checked it again to see if i was and i think it probably is bad because of the circumstances in the film parasite which is oh my god okay <laughs> fantastic okay. there's a scene where the family are hiding under the sofa and the yeah. naughty rich couple are on top of the sofa and they have a fiddle they have a fiddle about yes very much so. they have a fiddle about and it's I found that I, I was like, and I I can't quite work out if it is wrong that I was into that scene for the not necessarily the right reasons. Do you know what I mean? It's a sexy. <laughs> I know what you mean? Yeah, it's yeah. sexy. Yeah, it is sexy. Yeah, yeah, they're both very sexy. They're yeah, fit. it's weird, obviously, because they're like the the family under that side. Yeah, I mean, there's elements of, and they you know they're sort of bad. There's that. That would be one problem about it. The other one is the film Clemency which we both love. Okay, you're going to need to contextualise that very quickly. Only that Alfred Woodard is so beautiful. Fine, absolutely Just fine. beautiful. And we're right at the beginning of the film and it is about, you know, capital punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all the way through this very depressing film about capital punishment, you are thinking, <laughs> God, she's beautiful. She's a, very, she's a very striking lady, no doubt about it. And, you know, one of the performances and one of, absolutely yeah. one of my films of the year. Like, I, I thought Clemency was, I thought it was absolutely jaw-dropping. Like, it, it just... Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it march 20th at 7 p.m eastern only on iHeartRadio's youtube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Blew me away. Right. Let's do funniest. Funniest film, film that made us laugh the most. I've, we've talked to a lot about the comedy films, but what's the one? What's the one that made you laugh the most? For me, it was a four-year-old version. It was a film that made me. I fucking love that film. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. It's very, it's very well done, and it just it was really superbly observed, and it looked stunning. The central performance is great. I thought that there were there was there were sort of films, and I'm, that I think we'll touch on at points like something like Barat had certain spikes of like individual sequences that were absolutely incredibly hilarious, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I also thought the King of Staten Island was a really nicely made comedy movie. That was a great film. I I was very pleasantly surprised by that film. I did, I did not expect to enjoy that film as much I as it. I as I did. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. But yeah, for me it was four year old version. I just thought all the way through it was really beautifully observed. The kind of race relations comedy, the comedy about well meaning white people thinking they're engaging with POC art and culture, I thought it was just beautifully observed. And also just like it's a funny movie about being older and mm. having to check your expectations as you get older. I, I yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was just lovely. I love that film. Love, love, love it. And I like the fact that she's a really good rapper, but it isn't yeah. a film in which she wins a rap to- no. tournament and becomes a massive star. It's just she finds an artistic outlet for her truth. And it's yeah, it's all fairly simple. And, and someone, when Noel Clark was on this podcast, he'd said it reminded him of Clerks in the way that it was kind of self-made, black and white. Yeah, uh, and there is an element of that, but actually, it's also very beautiful in a way that I don't know that Clerks is. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not as like it's not like it's not as rough and ready as Clerks is. Yeah, it's not as Cassavetes like handheldy, mm. and it's definitely more staged, and the photography is much more deliberate and stylish, and the lighting is very beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I thought I thought it was just I thought it was great. Um, the film that actually actively made me laugh the most and was very unexpected was David Copperfield. Was the David Copperfield and lovely movie? You know what? Lovely movie. Lovely movie. Lo- and you know who I was laughing movie. at every time he who? spoke. I laughed. Uh, ben Whishaw. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I've always thought he could only do one thing, which was be like soft, soft and incredibly yeah, yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And him being Uriah Heep, fucking funny. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Every, it was I mean, funny. the entire casting of that film 
was just completely spot on. And again, in a similar way to Portrait of Lady on Fire, just like, you know, these classics are not as inert as they're made out to be mm. when they're done in the sort of ways that we're used to seeing them done. And I thought like the colorblind casting, I thought Dev Patel was fucking great. great. I really liked the way it was made. Daisy May Cooper is probably the most beloved person in the country. now, yeah. <laughs> And deservedly so. Like she's somebody who I would happily like see her become a full blown national treasure. I think she's fucking amazing. Yeah. For me, it would, it, it's a toss of a coin between those two movies as the best comedy movies of the year. And it was, um, it's two hours long. It goes really quickly because an awful lot happens. And it's right on the edge of, basically it's two hours of, everybody's crazy. <laughs> but it isn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it isn't annoying and it isn't, but it's right yeah. on the edge of, oh, what, this person's crazy as well. Everyone's crazy in this film. But it's all funny people being funny. Tilda Swinton's funny. Tilda Swinton's She's really funny. funny. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, and Capaldi, we know, it has yeah. proper, like, comedy chops. He's really funny. Also, I found out, to my horror, that the person who plays his mother and love interest is St. Maud. Yeah, correct. Which is fucking insane that she's she's given those two performances in one year. Yeah. <laughs> that is real, like... That is two ends of the old spectrum. Why is that it is the same a, woman playing his mother actor. and the girlfriend? I thought that was a sort of like Freudian thing mm. that they'd done. I'm not familiar with the text, so I don't know whether that's something that's like referenced in the book. When I say I'm not familiar with the text, that is an uh, English literature student for, I've not read this fucking book. <laughs> I didn't do my homework. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do my homework. That's me in a tutorial. Well, I'm not, fam- spe- not familiar with the specifics of the text. Um, obviously, I've read it, but, you know. Uh, I- I've read it, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Okay. What we're going to do now is we're going to do our greatest film, and then we're going to do our favourite, and they may or may okay. not be connected. What was the greatest film of 2020? I'm going to say Parasite. For for some of the reasons that I alluded to earlier, I think it does everything. I I don't want to say everything. That's a big claim. You know what, fuck it, I'm going to say it. It does everything you want a film to do. It's got all the genres in it. It's got all the genres in it. It's properly... It's it's when it's funny. It's properly funny. Like there's great jokes in it. Um, the horror is proper horror. I mean, when he pops out of the basement at the end, it's kind it's kind of amazing. And also, just some of the photography. And I the, the thing that really caught me off guard was ha- the sort of sheer beauty of them running back to their house when you know yeah. in the rain when you know that they're you know you know they're in trouble. But the photography and the beauty of that was just breathtaking. But also, like, it was fucking good, man. It was, it just, it had a bit of everything. And maybe him winning Best Picture and Best Director is maybe the last good thing that happened to any of us. Like, it might be the last good thing that happened to any of us before the entire world collapsed. Yeah. And him in his acceptance speech, quoting Martin Scorsese, is probably the last good thing that happened to us. What did he say again? He said, when I was at film school, uh, there was a quote that I was very important to me. And it's something like, the more specific, the more personal is always the most beautiful. Mm. And that quote was by, and he, you know, he's our own Martin Scorsese. And obviously then the entire room is now giving a standing ovation to Martin Scorsese. 
And it's like, it's all it just felt like a real, like passing of the baton moment. And um, it maybe is the last good thing that happened to any of us. I'm going to give a shout out to a film that will be on my list for 2021 and comes out, I believe in two weeks or whenever you listen to this may already be out, which is a promising young woman by Emerald. Very Fennel, excited to see it. Which I have seen. Very it's excited to see fucking it. Fucking incredible. And interest. I was thinking about Parasite and Promising Young Woman in the same way because both of those films, and I think it's, I can't work out if this is a modern trend or it's always been there, but I feel like I haven't seen it and it's very exciting, is that both of the Parasite and Promising Young Woman are issue movies ultimately. They're both. Yeah. One of them is about consent and sexual assault and the other one is about the disparity of wealth. And yet they are wild rides of films. Like they, they are very fucking serious and very fucking angry, but they're funny and exciting and scary and and surprising. And it's at fun. no point do you think you're in a lecture or in a art film. You just think, fuck, I'm having a great time. And then you're haunted by all these messages and all the stuff that happens in traditionally heavy films that are done in a way that is completely original and something interesting is happening where the elements of cinema are all sort of converging and genre cinema and art cinemas lines are being increasingly blurred and i think i would definitely include get out in that mm. as well um, get out is perfect and example of it. you know get out has so much to say about race in america parasite has so much to say about class and it's not a subject weirdly i think jordan peele is the last filmmaker that i can remember really taking because i thought us had a lot to say about class in america but parasite has so much to say about class and inequality and it is a sort of political film but it's 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 so exciting and fun and funky and i i can't wait to see promising young woman i'm very excited for it it's something else having said all that what's your What's your greatest? My greatest film of the year. And this, listen, there's so many great films. But for me, and I'm saying great is not favourite, because I'm not sure I want to see it again, is is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is an incredible film, incredible piece of work. And if you haven't seen it, I truly recommend it. And actually, look, here's the thing. It is a story... It feels completely real. It's the sort of film where you think no one's acting here. These are all real people. She's yeah, she's yeah. just managed to capture real people. But it isn't yeah. like a documentary because it's also fairly sort of poetic in how it's shot. But it feels completely real. And it is about a girl, I believe in Pennsylvania, a teenage girl, 17 years yeah. old, who is pregnant and wants to get an abortion. And she's not able to get an abortion in the town where she lives and her and her cousin take a bus to New York to, to get the abortion. And there are so many things I want to say about this film, but one of, one of them is it, it reminded me of the film all is lost with Robert Redford. Do you ever see that really <laughs> underrated and not a well, underseen film? Oh, all is lost. That's not, that's not what, uh, where <laughs> I was expecting this to go. I, I thought you were going to say, was it four weeks? The remaining no, no, movie no. about the really harrowing abortion <laughs> drama. I did not expect Robert De Niro cast away. No, Robert Redford. I did not expect all is that lost. At all. Yeah, in Robert that, Redford, yeah, All sorry. is Lost is a film that is practically <laughs> silent. I think there's three lines in it about a man stuck yeah. in the middle of the sea and his, his boat <laughs> leaks, gets a leak in it, gets hit by something, gets a leak. And it is an hour and a half of him 
trying to fix the boat and not die and and it's yeah. and it's a fascinating sort of narrative what it shows you about narrative is all we care about as an audience is complete your mission complete your mission right he's trying to right. fix his boat right. and in yes. never rarely sometimes always on one level it's a mission film it's a story of a girl trying to trying to do something and yeah. all along the way through the film, she is confronted by problems to her goal. She's told, you, yeah. you, you're at the wrong place, you don't have the right money, you don't have this, you don't have that. The whole film is complete the task. You have set. You have a task, complete it. And there's an element of inherent sort of suspense in that. Like you're, you're, you're hoping she will complete her fucking task that yeah. is incredibly difficult because of so again, there's a politics to this film. There is a, a, a very clear sort of, ex, what's the word, exploration, explanation of the shit situation in America with abortion that this very young girl is now putting herself in great danger, having to do a lot of stuff that she should not have to do, but she has to because this is her only way of achieving her task. And yeah. also it plays like a horror film because yeah. you spend the whole film it's an hour and a half. I, I was incredibly tense and I've never felt more like like a dad watching it because I was so worried oh about these girls and I was so desperate for them to be okay. And everything that happens, you're so scared for them. You're like, please be safe, please be safe, please be safe. And there's a brilliant bit where they're on a bus on the bus on the way to New York and a guy who is really perfectly cast because he's not threatening He's kind of a geeky yeah. guy, but but he is a guy and he t- he, he tries to engage yeah. in conversation and they ignore him. And then he touches one of their shoulders and there's a real close-up of this hand coming in the shoulder and it's almost like he, he literally kind of penetrates their space and yeah. suddenly their, yeah. their cocoon is burst. And there's this guy and there are so many kind of micro dangers around them all yeah. the time and... You're so worried. <laughs> I'm not selling this film. You're so worried. It's so tense that it's almost like a horror film. And yet, within all that, there is a real power and something uplifting about the relationship between the two girls, how they're looking out for each other, how they are supporting yeah. each other. And I guess this is a big spoiler, but ultimately, she achieves her goal. <laughs> And that is yeah. great because you've wanted that. You've, she's worked the, the the hell she has gone through to achieve it. She does, and it's you're happy for. I felt really, you're. Yeah, it's tremendously the 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 overwhelming feeling of relief at the end of this film and and also again where i felt like a dad like i felt proud of her <laughs> because yeah, yeah. because she she'd handled all of this stuff and you thought all of the things you shouldn't have had to handle any of this and you did no. and you were amazing and i'm so proud of you i'm proud you're my daughter <laughs> it's not well, it's an, I mean, I mean, it's an, and also it's like another weird like I, I, there must be a better way of expressing this but it's another film with a title track because the never really sometimes always is the questionnaire mm. about like her uh, sexual history and home life that she gets asked at the clinic. I mean, it's that scene is in, I mean, it's brilliant. It's harrowing. That's the scene in the middle of the movie is harrowing. And it also, you know, it's sort of a depiction of the Patriot. I mean, it, the other film that I would say there's like three movies. Well, I think this is part of like a double feature that you could do with clemency 
Mm. And the title of the double feature would be, is America at this point unsalvageable? <laughs> like, is America now just a condemned yeah. building that we should tape off and just leave, <laughs> leave to sort of rot? Because the patriarchy in this movie is like oh, in yeah. everything. Oh it's in that guy's, that creepy dude. Again, unfortunate casting for that actor because he's absolutely perfect as non-threatening, yeah. but creepy. fucking creepy. Yeah. Okay. Creepy. And you know, it's in everything, but it's in the systems that govern their lives. That mean that there's no way for her to access a safe abortion where mm-hmm. she lives. She has to do this fucking crazy journey. You know, when she gets there, there are obstacles in her way and there are financial concerns mm-hmm. and it's just in everything. And The Assistant is another movie that, again, is like... Oh, fuck, that's that, a good film, The Assistant. Hard to watch. But, like, r- really brilliant feminist filmmaking. Mm. But it is... It never really sometimes always was... It, it, it's a tough watch at points, but it's really brilliant. But I thought that and Clemency both just looked at two... Because, again, with Clemency, you're like, it's mad. It's mad that we kill people. Yeah. It's mad that a government kills people. Yeah. And it's all very well to say an eye for an eye, but if you're, I don't think you can say that if you're not the one doing the poking. And like Clemency, yeah. I think it's like a sort of weird, like emotional Western, like because they're all on one last job. Like everybody in that movie is like, they're all going to quit. So her, the defense lawyer, her husband, who's a teacher, who's like, you know, has been through the rigors of the American education system, is now like, I'm done. And the priest they're all going to yeah. quit. And what's cool about that is that they're all, she, so the whole movie is anchored by her like amazing performance. And then you've got Richard Schiff, who's in the West Wing and, and bunk the bunk, from the, wire, yeah. the bunk from the wire, like, which is, you know, Wendell Pierce, who's, and even the priest is, is also in the West Wing. He's the um, secret agent in the West Wing. So you've got these like three, like stage and screen legends backing her up. But never really, sometimes always like, it, it, it is, you're right, it is like, uh, I remember a few years ago running into our friend Chris Boyd, yes. um, who works in film and he used to do comedy. And I ran into Chris Boyd outside the Curzon when I was on my way in to see, what is the Darden Brothers movie with Marion Cotillard where she has to stop, That's t- used to convince, isn't it? Uh, t- t- two, two, days, days, one... two days, one night. And when I was going in to see that, I said, I'm going to see that movie. And he said, oh, you're going to see Art House Streets of Rage. And it, it, it's like, it is that. It is Art House Streets of Rage. She's not fighting people, but she has to convince them to not. Yeah. And never really, sometimes always, it's, they are kind of like, it's, they've got to do a mission. They've got to do a mission. It's just and it's also the, the, the other comparison to All Is Lost and where I was really amazed by it. And, and it's sort of the opposite of what we were saying about Greed and Bora is that... yeah. There is very, very little dialogue in Never Really, Sometimes Always. And yes, the dialogue yeah. is incredibly simple. And yeah. no one does a big speech. No one says, no. I guess I'm proud of myself because blah, blah, blah. I guess yeah. I'm upset because no one says how they are feeling. They're yeah. quite inexpressive, these teenage girls. They're quite... Yeah. And there's an amazing scene where they fall out and then they our friends again so quickly and it just feels so natural but again all pretty much without much dialogue and the the sort of filmmaking the storytelling of it that everything is so you have so much empathy for them and you're so invested and what i mean about it being like a suspense like a horror is i guess i'm trying to tell you that it's not boring (laughs) it sounds like it might be boring but it's really not and it's 
I'll probably think about it. For, I just think it's fucking brilliant, and I don't think enough people have seen it. And it no, and I mean, it made I... me angry and worried about and and just in terms of just what fucking I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but what girls have to go through. It's awful. It's yeah. really awful. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it's one of the things you always say. Is it Roger Ebert? Yeah, his, empathy. His thing about cinema is the empathy machine, mm. and that movie is. I mean, what is that if not? the empathy machine yeah. working at its absolute best because you are with those girls like all the way. Yeah. And it is like, it's fucking stressful. Two days, one night is the movie that I've seen, here, which is another, which is another very good, like emotional mission, <laughs> mission. Yeah. Film. yeah. Oh, um, That's funny. Uh, what, right. So on the other end of the scale, what is your favorite film of the year? Well, it's, you know, this question is always really hard. And I think, to be honest, there's probably like three or four movies it could have been. Um, but I would say, and I could have split this, I, I this could have fallen either way, depending on where I am. But I'll say my, the greatest film was Parasite and my favourite film was Rocks. I just thought Rocks was, I just thought it was something quite special. And I really hope that the fact that it's gone on Netflix has meant that lots of people have seen it that might not have seen it in, in a conventional cinema run. But I thought it was, I thought it was a really, really special film. But it could, you know, it could have been any one of a number yeah. of movies. Um, what do you say is your favourite? Well, I, I, I was going over them today and I was like, is that my favourite? And then I watched a scene of it again just to check and I was like, that is my favourite. My favourite film of the year is St. Francis. Oh, wow, we, which we've not even discussed. Not discussed. Another abortion. Another abortion. I told you, abortion and lesbians. Yeah. That one's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, got, got, doesn't have dementia in it it's the only thing it's missing yeah i loved saint francis i loved it so yeah, much I've, and it's sort of interesting because it is another film about abortion and yeah and it's sort of it's told it's a comedy saint francis it's a flat out it, yeah. it's kind of almost old-fashioned as in like a 90s indie film and kelly o'sullivan wrote it and stars in it and she is amazing but it's it's very funny and well observed it's got a kid in it who yeah. I've got a real thing about kid actors. You, they're either the greatest thing ever or they're the worst thing ever. And there is no in between. Like the reason I don't like one of the reasons I don't like the Disney jungle book CGI one is I hated the kid and I wanted all the animals <laughs> to eat him. And I'm not sure that's the point of a jungle book. That's a pretty fundamental issue yeah. with the jungle book. If you want everyone to eat mostly. St. Francis, which again, you know, on if you look at it, has a lot of issues going on. It's, it's about abortion. It's about the patriarchy. It's about um, yeah. a, a lesbian couple in a, in a not necessarily welcome suburb. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. But it's a comedy and... It's really well observed, and 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 it the casting of the whole film is one of the most perfectly cast films. Every single part is yeah. amazing, but the kid in it, she she becomes a nanny to this kid. The kid is unbelievable, unbelievable, yeah, what, unbelievable. It's the best kid since Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry Maguire, I'd say. Oh, I have to stand up for Emmanuel in Rocks because for me, oh that was yeah, like, but then that okay, that, yeah, that's fair. That's enough for me. It's like it's you know. Okay. It's Federer and Nadal for me. Like <laughs> I don't know how do you choose between those two those two performances. But the confession scene was probably my favourite. Would probably be like up there for me in terms of just as an individual scene. I thought the confession scene at the end. I really liked the. 
I really liked what it, what it was dealing with with religion as well. In, yeah. in amongst all of it. And it made me. It, cr- really it made me. Cr- I had to go and hide in the in the in the bathroom and cry for half an hour afterwards. But it was like I was crying. Like it was a sort. It wasn't like Pixar crying. It was like happy. Cry- I was crying because yeah. I loved them all so much. Yeah, yeah. And there is a scene in it which is in my best set, set scenes of the year, where they have a confrontation with essentially a Karen. I guess is what you'd now yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 full. It's full Karen. It's full yeah. Karen. They they the the. The mother of the the lesbian mother is breastfeeding in public, and a Karen comes over and says, "Could you do that elsewhere?" Yeah. And then discovers she's a lesbian and is upset about that as well. Yeah. And the way they that confrontation plays out, and I won't spoil it. This film is on Netflix. Is funny and profound and beautiful yeah. and so well acted, and I kind of oh god, I love Saved Friends. I think it's great. It's a great movie. It's a really good movie. It's just a lovely, lovely time. So that's that. Right, Nish, you've been a joy as always. I love you. There, I said it. Uh, but when you were you too, in your house and you were wearing a double mask, and by the way, you were in your house on your own, and I do remember FaceTiming you and going, I think you're being a bit paranoid because no one's been in or there's out. Six of those are six masks. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need five of those masks. All your windows are closed. No one's coming in or out. It's fine. Yeah. And you laughed and you choked to death on yeah. the masks. And I watched. I just watched on FaceTime. There was nothing I could do, so I thought I'd make the most of it. I'm sure he'll come back somehow. And um, I sent round a coffin because we're in lockdown. I, I did one on uh, Dialer Coffin. And yeah, yeah. the coffin got round. But, but all due respect, you've been in lockdown, so... You're not the size I'd remembered. <laughs> and yeah. I've learned myself. Yeah. Let's go. Pop you in the pop you in the coffin. There's not enough room in that coffin. Really had to not stuff you in. There's only enough room for you to take one film from 2020 to the other side. What film are you taking with you to show in heaven when people say specifically, what about the year 2020? And also, I good mean, to see you back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll probably say Parasite because right. I think, you know, it's a treat. I think, why not? It's a tree. Yeah. What are you going to say? I'm taking St. Well, Francis. I'm taking St. Francis. They're going to have oh, such a lovely. nice time. Lovely. Nish Kumar, anything to to plug or whatnot? Just uh, plug in good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you're in the UK, there's an hour of me doing stand-up available on Amazon Prime. Ooh, um, is it? I think it's... I, I don't know about outside of the UK, but certainly in the UK, there is an hour of me doing stand-up that was recorded at the Soho Theatre um, in 2015, I think, 2014, 2015. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's available uh, to watch. At some point this year, I'm going to release my last two touring shows as albums, and we're just in the process of working out when they're going On vinyl, right? On vi- Well, no, we're going to release them live as I am, but we're going straight to MP3. <laughs> Or street and streaming, it'll be on all those things. That's probably. I'll come round your house and just do it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That's probably my sense. But yeah, um, but other than that, unplugging Soulmates series one. Hey, Red Girls um, and Ted Lasso. God bless you, Nish. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful. God death. bless you. I hope I hope you have a wonderful death, and I hope this 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 one sticks. <laughs> uh, lots of love to you. Good day. Lots of love to you. But wait, we forgot to do the top 12. 
And then we remembered to do the top 12, so we started recording again. Here you go. Here's the thing. We forgot to do our actual top 10, <laughs> which was a top 12, I believe, right? Top 12 in order. Yeah. What's, this is just for the special treat. What What's your top 12? I'm just going to go through them, right? Just straight In down. order, yeah. Uh, in order. Okay. Um, my top 12 is On the Rocks. Lovely. St. Maud. Yes. Four-year-old version. Thank you. David Copperfield. Don't mind if I do. Soul. Yes, please. Never rarely, sometimes always. Love that. And then this six on any given day could be in any order. Mm-hmm. Okay. But on the day that this was written down, this is the order that it went in. Boy State, mm-hmm. Uncut Gems, Portrait of Lady on Fire, Clemency, Poor. Rocks, Parasite. But I cannot stress this enough. That six particularly could be in any order. Th- those were my real, like, that was, uh, yeah, that was my real, that was a hard one. Go for it, Brett. Hit me. Jojo Rabbit. La Llorona. We haven't even talked about La Llorona. Oh, my God. Out. Side note, La Llorona. Definitely worth watching. Guatemalan political horror. Political horror. I'm all about political it's horror. It's all about political days. horror, yeah. It's on Netflix, isn't it? Mm, I think I had to rent it. No, it's not. Right, okay. Well, rent it. Oh no, it's on it's it's on Shudder, Amazon Prime. Watch uh, it, yeah, it's really right. great. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, loved it. Lovely. Soul, loved it. Queen and Slim, Lovely. The Assistant. We didn't really talk about that, it was fucking great. Uncut Gems, Saint Maud, Saint Francis, the four-year-old version, Parasite, Never Really, Sometimes Always. Very good. Think about all the movies that came out this year that we didn't even touch on. We haven't even talked about Mank. So that was episode 133. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the video and extra stuff with Nish. Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's very lovely to read. It does help our numbers and it's very much appreciated by me. Remember to watch Soulmates on Amazon Prime from February 8th and also, of course, Ted Lasso on the Apple TV Plus app. Thank you so much to Nish for doing this show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. At least Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week. Oh, oh, oh my, my. I've got... Uh, the guest that I have next week is huge. It's a... I mean, I was very nervous for this one. I think you it's going to blow your mind. Maybe I won't say. We'll leave it a little bit of suspense. A little bit of a tease. Something for you to look forward to. Anyway, uh, I hope everyone is well. Thank you for listening as always. Uh, So that is it for now. Have a lovely week. And in the meantime, please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. 
NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.